welcome to NL Full Time. It's been a wonderful weekend for the National League uh, in particular, uh, with the FA Cup at the forefront. And we'll start there. Um, and obviously a lot of National League action to cover as well. A little bit later on, we'll be joined by Slough player manager Scott Davies. And that's one of three very big reasons I'm excited to host today's podcast. We're giving Luca a much, uh, much needed day off. Um, the second one, of course, is that those FA Cup uh, results. And the third one I'm about to introduce you to, absolutely delighted to have on the former conference, League Two, League One, Championship, Premier League, FA Cup, of course. Um, and now BT, Sky, anybody you'll have him, really. Uh, honorary NL full-time pundit, Mr. Aaron McLean. How are you doing, Macca? I'm very well, thank you. How are you doing? Yeah, very well indeed. That was a bit of a big up, that wasn't it? Yeah, that was. Yeah, that's. I think that's the best introduction I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> I thought your name was 129 goals in 544 league games because that's what always flashes up, doesn't it? Yeah. On BT when you come. The thing is, I'm still not sure if I'm sure there should be more goals on there, but um, we've uh, we've had this debate, we've had this chat. I think I might have to go through and and dig them all out myself. That they weren't all league goals. So they're doing league goals. They're not nah. counting non-league goals and FA Cup goals and Well, we know we know those non-league goals count, especially some of those they all flew count. in yesterday. Let's move on then to uh the FA Cup third round. And hard luck, BBC, hard luck ITV. You made your choices, you ignored the three ties involving the National League sides. And they all went and produced absolute crackers. You missed out on 15 goals. And well done, BBC Match of the Day, for at least starting with those three games uh, last night. Um, well done to S4C, who I think did show Dickie the, um, the the Coventry Wrexham game live, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I, I managed to get about the last 25 minutes of it. Uh, commentary all in Welsh, so I didn't understand an awful lot other than the players' <laughs> names. Um, but yeah, terrific viewing. I mean, if it was like that for the whole, the entire 90 minutes, just the 25 I saw, it would have been absolutely gripping. Oh, I was buzzing. I was travelling back from Aldershot and uh, my brother was thankfully driving yesterday. He gave me the chance to fiddle around with my phone and, and find commentary on that game. What a cracking game it was. Um, and we've got to give it top billing because Wrexham won. We'll come to Chesterfield in a minute. It almost did something completely outstanding and still did something very good anyway. Aaron, um, before we get into the detail of the three games... You have played at this level. You've been a pundit at this level for a little while now. Did you almost feel, as I did, a sense of pride yesterday in just how well those three National League teams performed? Absolutely. You know, listen, obviously I have the pleasure of of being able to see these teams week in, week out. And to see them transition the, the form that they've been showing and the performances that they've been showing in the National League. Listen, we've been we've been screaming that the National League is almost a, an extra league now. You know, it's it's a, it's another professional league and we've, we've been crying out for, for an extra promotional place because the strength of the National League now deserves that. They deserve that extra spot. And a lot of those teams actually got to show every, you know, the whole footballing pyramid, what quality there is in the National League. And I think it goes, that just enhances the, you know, the message that we're trying to send out to people that, Listen, the National League's not just, it's not non-league anymore. You know, it is a professional league with with big clubs, big players, very, very talented players. And 
I'm glad that you know BT Sports sh- show so much of it because it's a league that needs to be needs to be shown to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. It gets great coverage from BT Sport. We're thankful for that. And uh, you know what? The EFL League, we're going to just keep knocking on the door until you let that third team in. I think it's justified in every way now. Um, I really do think there's benefits to to all for making it happen. And, you know, hopefully uh, it's something we stop talking about and finally see happen soon. Let's get into the detail then. Wrexham, four and a half thousand dragons following them to uh, Coventry. They roared into a two-goal lead. Um, you know, which really sort of caught our attention, whatever games we were at. And they were pegged back, but went three one up again just before half time, and then even went four one up um before Coventry had a red card. Um and suddenly <laughs> uh focuses you've done it being four one down. They literally threw everything at it. Uh they got two more goals back. Um I remember hearing and and, and Dickie, you probably saw a great save from Mark Howard. There was another heart-in-the-mouth moment as Howard dropped a relatively simple ball in the dying seconds. But they hung on to make the fourth round for just the second time uh, this century. Um, And what really struck me yesterday was, despite the narrative that Rob and Ryan somewhat tongue-in-cheek sort of, they they refer to Wrexham being um, the underdog. They they really were yesterday, weren't they? And uh, and they'll have enjoyed playing that role, um, you know, when in every National League game, barring probably one or two, their favourites every week. Absolutely. You know, listen, Coventry are a very good team. You know, very well managed and a, a very efficient team in, in the Championship. For Wrexham to go to, to Coventry, put on the kind of performance that they did, you know, to, to go to Coventry and score four goals is no easy feat. You know, there's not many clubs that will go there and, and turn them over in, in that fashion. And they've got some real quality. You know, Casey Palmer was probably the standout player you know, but he's a Premier League player in my in my opinion. You know, he hit the post twice. I think uh, uh, set up the set up one of the goals. Um, and when you're playing against that kind of quality, it needs a team effort. It needs everyone to to produce. Wrexham made changes. You know, Dolby came into the team and and scored a brilliant goal. Obviously, Mullins shows exactly what you know what the National League has got in terms of pedigree. You know, he is a League One stroke championship striker. And that is, that's what I'm saying. When you look at the National League and you look at a championship club, you could have easily swapped some of those players over and you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have known the difference. Someone just watching that game and not knowing which division each team's in would have thought those, both of those teams are in the, in the same division and, and Wrexham were, were above, above Coventry because they were absolutely excellent. And what they have got, is a manager who has been there, done it. Is in when it comes to cup competitions, there's there's not many managers that that are better out there than than Phil Parkinson. Dickie, yeah. Before the game, I saw a comment from Ollie Palmer. I don't know if it was put out there. Is it, it was almost the kind of comment where I thought to myself that could be going on the dressing room wall to motivate the opposition. And and you know, Aaron might have a view on whether managers actually ever do that and whether it works. But he'd said in a, a newspaper interview that, that Wrexham weren't especially thrilled with the draw at Coventry away because they were hoping for one of the bigger teams. And I think it was taken by a few people to look like arrogance. But actually, when you see the way that Wrexham performed, you can see completely why they weren't phased by playing Coventry whatsoever. Well, I, I think that I think that comment was was more aimed at 
listen, when you're a National League team and you get to the third round, you want to pull out one of the big boys. You want to pull out a Man United, a Manchester City, a, a, a big Premier League club, and, you know, hopefully away. So that and you're not going to go on and win and win the FA Cup. You know, I'm, I'm sure Wrexham aren't expecting to go on and, and win the FA Cup. But you want to get that, that glamorous tie before you before you exit the, the competition. So to go and get one of those clubs would have would have been huge. But then when Coventry do come out, they look and say, do you know what? Yeah, we, we can back ourselves against these. We've got players in our in our squad who we feel could probably go and play and, and compete at, at that level anyway. You know, Wrexham haven't been shy in going and, and plucking players from from higher divisions and, and bigger clubs. So they, when that came out, I think that they would have been disappointed that they got Coventry because they, if they were to go out, they don't end up with that glamorous tie. But it's definitely a game that they looked at and thought, you know what, if we go and play our best football, we, we can come out winners. And, and they evidently did. Yeah, it's a fantastic day for Wrexham and all concerned. Um, and we unashamedly, those of us involved with the National League, we're hanging on to the shirt tails of that and absolutely loving it. Now, Chesterfield took on uh, West Bromwich Albion, uh, ninth in the championship, and uh, Julie fell behind early on. And I glanced at that and thought, oh, maybe it's not going to be their day. But Tyrone Williams thought otherwise. He levelled after seven minutes. And then Chesterfield went behind again to Carlin Grant. Um, but a brace, a lovely brace uh, from Armando Dobra, appearing at the right time, uh, in the right place, uh, put Chesterfield 3-2 up. And I looked and I looked and I looked uh, during my game and it's still 3-2, still 3-2, still 3-2. Um, but lo and behold, um, West Brom equalised, didn't they? 90 plus three. And a little bit of irony about the goal scorer, uh, Brandon Thomas Asante, because he'd scored the first goal, he scored the last goal, but and I don't know how we say this allegedly. Um, if there were, if if there was VAR, he wouldn't have been on the pitch to score that goal, Aaron. I don't know if you've seen it, have you? Yeah, I've watched it, and absolutely, you're spot on. He, there's no way on earth that he'd still be on the pitch, you know. And Chesterfield would have gone on and, and won that game, I think, because it's a horrible elbow. You know, it's one of those that if it catches King in the wrong place. You know that could that could break his his eye socket. Or I've I've seen really really bad injuries from from instances like that. So you know I think he's a very lucky boy. I think there will be retribution. I think um, the FA is something that you have to look at because you can't have have that kind of thing in the game. You know there's it's it's far too dangerous. So the FA will have to look at it. I'll, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a, a suspension. But at the game, listen. Amazing, amazing performance by Chesterfield. You know, I, I was covering Bournemouth for, for BT Score and Kevin Davis was was covering the uh, Chesterfield game. And we just kept going to him because there was so much action. There was always something happening. There was plenty of goals, plenty of action. And all he kept saying was Chesterfield deserved the lead. Chesterfield uh, are by far the better team. I think they made a lot of, a lot of changes. But this is a... You know, they not too long ago they were in the Premier League. You know, any player that's playing for West Brom that was out there yesterday, and there was a lot of ex Premier League players in that in that team, and they were totally outplayed by Chesterfield. You know, Chesterfield are a team that are performing brilliantly in, in the National League, and they're kind of going under the radar. You know, they I think Adam Summerton told me the other day that they're on course 
I think their points per game at the moment, they're on course to get 98 points if they continue their points per game. And they're in third place. So A, that shows the quality of, of the teams in the National League. And it shows just how well, how well Chesterfield are doing. Absolutely, it does. It's not so many years ago, what, uh, probably 15 years ago, that uh, Aldershot won the uh, conference with a record 101 points. You've got every chance that a couple of teams will possibly even go over that this season. Um, God help the day that somebody finishes on 100 points and doesn't go up. <laughs> um, you know, that's that, that's just crazy. But very, very well done to Chesterfield, um, who obviously will have a replay at uh, the... What's it called? The Hawthorns? I can't remember now. The Hawthorns, yeah. yeah. The Hawthorns, that's right, yeah. Um, and then on to that third team. And we're sorry, Luke Garrard and Boreham Wood, that you've been demoted to third place. I still think an excellent achievement, getting a draw against Accrington. Um, Aaron, you said you were covering that game. Tell us about it. Well, the game wasn't great. You know, I've got to say, you know, it was a, a really disappointing game. First of all, the brilliant result for, for Boreham Wood. You know, to to still be in the hat for the fourth round, and and to have a, a second bite of the cherry. You know, they they thoroughly deserved that. And if there was a team that was going to go on and win the game, it was definitely Bournemouth. You know, they really pushed for it right at the end, and and were unlucky on a, on a few occasions. But the game lacked quality. Um, but I think that Bournemouth will take so much confidence from from that game because Aquinnon offered very very little, and. Luke Gard will be saying to his players, listen, if you raise your game and raise your performance by 10%, you'll go on and win that game. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind that Bournemouth will go to go to Aquinnon and give a much better account of themselves, show the team that they are and, and go and, and win the game. And they've already beat League One opposition. You know, they beat Bristol Rovers, who are a, a very good outfit. They beat them 2-0 away from home. So they definitely won't fear anyone. And in Luke Gower, they've got, you know, one of the best managers for me in, in the division. So, yeah, I expect them to go to Accrington and win. Yeah, well done, Luke and, and Boreham Wood, uh, to, to get your names in the hat for that fourth round draw on Monday. Just a finer detail on that one. Accrington went ahead, didn't they, through Ryan, not Rick Astley, Ryan Astley after just six minutes. But Woodwork never going to give this up. Um, and they equalised with Lee and Love in the 78th minute. And you got it, boys. Both the boys here got it. What about you, listeners? Did you get that? Did you hear it? That was the pun of the week. I challenge you to beat it, Dickie. <laughs> I'm just glad you didn't sing it. That's all I'm, I can say. But no, it, it, it was great, you know. And um, again, I think it's I think it's um, Boreham Wood's third consecutive season in the third round. And, you know, every... It's becoming such a regular occurrence now with, with them. You know, they are such a hard side to to break down. Um, it, the weather conditions looked absolutely atrocious there in the uh, in the last few minutes as well. I hope that didn't spoil any. Um, I expect you had a terrific outfit on, Aaron, because you normally do. I expect. Uh, I hope that's got to go off to the dry cleaners now. I'd imagine. Well, I was in the studio. I was uh... <laughs> Yeah, I was nice. My nice outfit in the nice, warm, comfy seats, and uh, yeah, uh, I was lucky. But saying that, Tuesday night, I'm I'm going to be in Wrexham, so I'm sure it's going to be cold and wet come Tuesday night. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Well, 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 we'll touch on that in a, in a little bit. Let's turn our attentions now to the National League action, and of course, with 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 Chesterfield and Wrexham involved in the FA Cup. It was a big opportunity for league leaders, Notts County, who travelled to 
uh, all the shot. I was obviously there commentating on the game. And I think it's fair to say that uh, Aldershot gave Notts County a pretty uncomfortable first half an hour. But um, once they took the lead through uh, the prolific Jim O'Brien, well, no, not prolific, is his second goal of the season. Um, they, they, they were really, they really sort of showed their class after that. The game was never in doubt. Uh, Ruben Rodriguez, who I'd just proudly been boasting in commentary, hadn't really hurt Aldershot in a game and a half. Bang! 28-yarder. Uh, thank you very much, Ruben. And uh, and then Aaron, here comes another pun. The main man, really. Um, thank you, Luke, for that one. Um, what a player he is. What I, I, I've rarely seen such an improvement in a player. Um, Aaron, Aaron, I don't know how, how how much you've seen the man on the main, however you do say it. But um, he just looks a different player now to the one that I remember at his previous club and in his early days at Knox. I think it's it's the manager. I think I think a lot of credit has to go to to Luke, Luke Williams, Williams and 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 what he's doing at Notts County because he's getting you know you look at Namain, you look at Chickson, you know Chickson's scoring goals now. You know that that was unheard of before. He's now got seven league goals, which he's he's, he's created a machine. You know, and once they do get their noses in front. They continue to keep going and keep going and keep going. And now they've, they're a team that, home or away, you know, they're going to go out, they're going to score goals, they're going to win games. I think they've scored 42 goals away from home this season, which is outstanding. You know, at any level, to go away from home, win nine games and, and score 42 goals is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what mm-hmm. they're doing there, they are very much going to push Wrexham, you know, at the moment, it's it's really you're looking at those two in terms of their mm. consistency, their their firepower, and their spending spending power. You know, you're mm. looking at those two. Yes, there's Chesterfield and, and Woking and a, a few others, but those are the two. And Notts County were there was a little bit of pressure because they couldn't afford to drop any more points. Wrexham now have two games in hand over them. They had to make sure that they go and win that game and keep the you know get the gap back to five points, and then it's the pressure on Wrexham. I think at this point, I'd much rather be in, in Notts County's position and, and have the points on the board than, than be in Wrexham's and, and still be chasing. Yeah, it was a, a classy performance from uh, Luke Williams' men. And uh, I caught up with the Notts County manager after the game. We highlight, of course, a lot, uh, Luke, uh, the likes of Macaulay Langstaff and, and Kedwin Scott and, 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 and their, uh, their talents are, are obvious to all with their, with their goal-scoring record this season. But a couple of players I wanted to highlight, your two your, your wide players, Aaron Neman and uh, uh, Adam Chickson, who've both been really, really good for you this, uh, this season as well. Neman in particular didn't really stand out at his previous clubs, but you've worked with him and uh, he, he looks to be really full of confidence now. Yeah, and our first, first of all, of course, the credit to, to Aaron because I think it's fair to say that I can be quite quite demanding and uh, there's a lot of work to do on and off the pitch, but Aaron has applied himself in a brilliant way and, and uh, hopefully he's enjoying it as a platform to show how good he is. I think he has tremendous quality. I think that he's a player that could play at a much higher level and I, and I think that now we're starting to see Aaron looking... Uh, like he believes in himself, looking more confident, and the way that he dispatched the the goal today was the the epitome of you know of of him as a guy at the moment and, and the form that he's in. 
We spoke after the game at Meadow Lane as well, and in both games, Aldershot gave you some issues in the opening half an hour, but you managed to find a way to exercise control over the game. That must be one of the more satisfying elements of being a coach. No, I agree. I, I remember very clearly the, the game at Meadow Lane, and particularly down the left-hand side. Effion is a, a, a really good athlete, and he's got a good mentality, and he'll keep running. Um, and then they've added, you know, since that game, uh, particularly on the left-hand side, they, they have so much pace and power. And we knew this was going to be a serious uh, problem for us and we had to manage that. And then, yes, of course, when you do manage that that threat and you, you, you're you able to take that threat away from the opposition is hugely satisfying. That was Luke Williams, uh, a thoroughly nice gentleman as well. I have to say, I spoke to him after both uh, Aldershot games against Notts County. Um, he's not here this week, Dickie, but... Uh, uh, Joe and I, Joe Pope and I had a bit of a difference of opinion on Luke, didn't we, at the start of the season? And everything about what I saw and heard about him, I thought, you know what, he's going he's gonna to get rid of Notts County's soft underbelly, the one where on the day when they're not quite at it, or they're, you know, they're maybe they haven't got the strong enough mentality to play out from the back. It's all changed now, and it's it's, it's huge credit, isn't it, to Luke Williams? Yeah, it is. I mean, they they were um, close last season, but but. Not close enough, and uh, but 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 this season to be where they are, um, you know they've got to take advantage of that the opportunity they had yesterday to just put a little bit more space in between them uh, and the chasing pack, and and just to say you know catch us if you can, and it's so tight at the top there, so you know to to do so in in fairly convincing fashion, um, you know great result for them. Yeah, and the other team in that top four who really took full advantage as well yesterday was Woking. Uh, following up their back-to-back wins over Aldershot uh, and Boxing Day and New Year's Day, they had a tricky one, really, didn't they? Away to Dagenham and Redbridge, who it looked like they just started to get a little bit of uh, consistency. They just crept uh, to the edge of those playoffs again. But Woking are a different animal this season, aren't they, Aaron? And um, Rowan Ince got both goals. Normally a workhorse in midfield, but uh, he scored two first-half goals. And uh, although Josh Walker pulled one back, Woking hung on for the three points. They've actually joined Chesterfield now on 49 points. And, uh, you know, at this stage of the season, just over halfway through, uh, if you, there's, there's probably two or three years where they'd be top with 49 points, isn't there? Yeah, listen, what they're doing is, is remarkable. You know, I know a lot of Woking fans are, aren't happy that they're not really getting getting spoken about too too much. But I, I think that suits them. You know, I think that so far they're they're definitely the surprise package of, of the season. I don't think anyone would have put them it would have placed them where they are at the moment. But they are very efficient. Jermaine Anderson, you know, is is a player that I've played with and, and worked with who I think if you get a, a fit Jermaine Anderson, you've got a championship player. You know, he's he's got that that quality. But they're a, they're a team. They're very, very much a team. They work hard for each other. There's no standout player who is going to score all your goals for you. Or, you know, they they work as a team. They spread it around and they get results from it. And to go to Dagenham, you know, Dagenham's a tough place to go. You know, Dagenham are, are renowned for scoring a lot of goals and, and especially at home, being able to, to turn teams over quite convincingly. So to go there, get a really good win, um, and like you say, join join Chesterfield in in joint third. You know, is is a great achievement for them. And I I actually look at Woking this season and think, do you know what? I think that they're going to be able to sustain it. They don't look like a team that are there by luck. 
I think that they're very much there on on merit, and and I think that they're going to be they're going to be one of the teams that you know in the playoffs. I don't think anyone's going to want to play them. Exactly right, and 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 I noticed this last week, and even more so now. They have a buffer of fourteen points in the playoffs now, Woking. So even if they do a bit of a Woking, for want of a better of a word, and, and and tail off and fall fall away a little bit, they've got a lot of a buffer there. They're looking very very good. And, and don't rule them out fighting uh, potentially Chesterfield or whoever's in third place hard for that, you know, that, that third place spot, which means so much now. It means you miss out a round in the playoffs. It means you're at home with one match to go to the semi-final. So I still think we're in for a, a really, really interesting race. Perhaps the surprise team for me, or one of the surprise team sitting in the top seven at the minute is Barnet. And I'll tell you my reasons why. And Aaron, I know you were a forward. I was a forward back in the day, obviously not in your class, but I really want to know what Dean Brennan has done at Barnet because you know as well as I do, he was taking on the teams and, and, and trying to score more than them and losing 7-5 and 4-3 and everything else as well. And then bang, all of a sudden, his team are keeping seven clean sheets out of 10, you know, and, and like yesterday, on a day when they did fall behind and, and they didn't get the win, they managed to find a way to get a draw late on Nicky Kabamba's 88th minute goal. They've done that a couple of times recently on the back of quite a few wins. They sit in fifth place and he's shored up that defence. But what do you think he's done? Can you put your finger on it? I think it's it's two things. It's mentality is, is the biggest thing. You know, I've played with Dino um, in my time at Grays. I know Dino well as, as a person and, and as a personality. And he is so demanding of his players. You know, he won't accept someone, you know, having a day off. He won't accept you giving 80%. Every single player has to give 100%. And it's work rate on the ball, off the ball. That is what is installed into that team and into that squad. And once you install that and everyone buys into it, everyone wants to run the extra mile. You know, everyone wants to help their mate out when, they, when their mate makes a mistake because they know that their mate's going to do the same for them. And that's what I've seen in Barnet this season. Their recruitment's been, you know, I don't think anyone would have expected Kabamba to come in and, and do what he's done. You know, he's, he's been magnificent from, you know, 13 goals now this in the league for, for Barnet. And they've needed that. I think they've missed that over, over the years. They've missed someone who's going to be able to put the ball in the back of the net consistently. But they've got really good players, you know, really good seasoned pros in there. Hall's a really good player. Sean Shields, who I know really well, you know, he's chipped in with a few goals and, and assists. And De Havilland, you know, De Havilland. Ryan De Havilland, yeah. Well, you know, so I think as, as a similar to Woking, you know, they're a really well-drilled machine who go into most games with very little expectation. You know, I think there's very little expectation from, from the masses but they expect a lot from themselves. And I watched their last pre-season game against Peterborough and they mm. beat Peterborough comfortably. You know, Peterborough had just come down from the championship. And when I spoke to Dean after the game, he said, listen, we're going to surprise some people this season. You know, they still had um, F, uh, Mason Clark there at the time. And he said, if we lose him, it could it could affect us a little bit. But he said that, we're we're ready. We're ready for this season, and and we're going to surprise a lot of people. And they most certainly are this season so far. Yeah, fantastic. Well done, Barnet. Sat in fifth, just behind them, Southend United. Bit of a statement victory for me this one, Dicky, on um, Saturday. 
they beat Solihull Moors, who you've seen up close and personal recently. Three goals to lead uh, to nil. Sorry, Dimitriou, Cardwell, and Jack Bridge on the score sheet, and and Southend continue to pick up results and and just build nicely. Um, you know, despite the off the field issues, it's it's, it's impressive from them. Not very often Solihull Moors get beaten three nil. No, it isn't. Um, you know, to to keep going with the results they have when there is that sort of background noise going on at South End and this and so much of it and 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 so often um is, is a testament to uh, Kevin Moore and, and and his team and how well they're doing there. Um Solihull, they're in a, a dreadful state of, of form at the moment and they just seem can't, can't seem to, to to buy any kind of win other than the one they got against Telford in the FA Trophy just before Christmas. Um, Keller has gone back to Bradford City as well. His season-long loan has ended. I think that's because there's actually a, a move for him coming up in in this transfer window. So um, he, he, he's returned and that, that hasn't helped. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's probably the the, the most... A serious sort of um, storm that Neil Ardley's had to, to weather whilst he's been Solihull manager. I mean, we clearly hope that he does because he's a, he is a he's a good man and he's a fine manager. But yeah, it's difficult to to see how they're going to. Well, they just need a win to turn it around at the moment. I think they've been punching above their weight for so long, Aaron, haven't they? And a uh, huge total, ninety something points last year. It was a it, it was choking for them, wasn't it? You know, to to to, to be what ten minutes away from being promoted and. And now they've somehow got to go and do it all again. But this time they've got to do it with the expectation. Yeah, and I think that's the difficult thing. Um, you listen, now when Solihull Moors come into town, it's not the Solihull Moors who, you know, we, we might be and we might not. It's they're coming in as the team that got to the playoff final. You know, they're coming in as as the, the favourites to, to the majority of games. And, and to, you know, Southend looked at that game yesterday and said, no, we're we're not we're not having that. We're better than you. We want to be in the playoffs this year. We want to be getting to the playoff final, and they rolled them over. You know, I think that South End using all the noise, you know, and I've been in that position uh, a few times in my career where where there's so much negativity outside the club. As a squad and as a, a as a team, you just it brings you closer together, and you use that as your motivation. You say, listen. It's just us in the dressing room. We make sure that we do our job week in, week out. No one can point fingers at us and say that we're being distracted by by the outside noise. We pull together and game by game, we just keep churning it out and working hard for each other. And Kevin Mayer and and Darren Curry and the guys there have have done a magnificent job in in making sure that that team just, you know, keeps rolling, keeps rolling. Solihill, I'm, I'm not too sure where they go from here. You know, they're... Josh Kelly was a, a big signing for him, who I was really expecting big things from. I struggled really, you know. Dallas and, and Sabara are still st- still scoring goals now and again, but you can't continuously concede the, the goals that they're conceding. You know, if if you wanna if you wanna really challenge for for promotion, and and I think that's that's probably where they're where they're falling a little bit short. Yeah, they're now four points off the playoffs, so it's not done for them, Solihull Moors, but they'll certainly need to pick their their form up. Just before we flip and take a look at the bottom end of the National League table, for very good reason, uh, just a mention for Wealdstone, who uh, have crept into that seventh position, the final playoff place. They came from behind against Eastleigh. Alfie Lloyd scored his third goal in two games for Eastleigh to, 
to give the Spyrites the lead, but uh, Nathan Ferguson, Max Kretschmar and Obiero gave Wildstone an excellent win. Um, and, and Stuart Maynard, uh, just briefly, please, Aaron, uh, Stuart Maynard is is a manager that, that uh, again, he's got a growing reputation with what he's doing at Wildstone. Oh, that's brilliant. You know, I've, I've spoken to him at length uh, a few times and bearing in mind, they're still part-time, you know, for a part-time outfit to be producing the performances that that they are is is exceptional. You know, you have to take your hat off to them. And, you know, they had a little a tricky period where you look and you thought, mm, is this, you know, is the wheels falling off and are they going to now start to to drift away? But they haven't. You know, they're, they're, they're hanging in there. They're still producing really, really good performances on, on a shoestring budget. You know, to beat Eastleigh. Eastleigh have done really well so far this season. You know, they've they're been in, in decent enough form. So mm-hmm. to, to beat them 3-1 and, and produce the performances they are, and they keep pulling out, you know, they keep pulling out little gems. You know, it's... I, I put it down to the manager. I, 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 can't, I can't look anywhere else. His style of football, you know, he, he's not getting it and lumping it. He wants to play, play football the right way, play football on the floor, and he gets the players to buy into it. And he's been doing it for a few seasons. It's it, this isn't all of a sudden everything's just you know this is and the nuclear on the block. He's been working away and chipping away at it for a few seasons. I remember last season, Dale McMahon's saying that Wilson was one of the best teams that he played against. Um, so it's it's been a work in progress. But I think now all of a sudden, you know, the stars are aligning for them, and they've got a realistic chance of of getting into that playoffs and. Listen, everyone knows once you get in them playoffs, it's 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 a lottery from there. Yeah, anything can happen. Uh, I think particular of note, just a footnote to that. We've we've waxed lyrical about Wheelstone. I just think the way that they continue to do it despite losing um, Reese Brown, who's in the form of his life to to work in, is is, is excellent. Yeah. Um, looking at the bottom, then, uh, and certainly the bottom uh, seven or eight, really, which did include York before yesterday, they. They were the one that um, inflicted defeat on one of the bottom four. They beat Maidstone, who are really out of form at the minute, scoring four goals. And, it, and this, this, this point in the podcast, we've got a highlight. We said how difficult it is to get a point in the National League, how difficult it is to get three points. It's got to be very difficult to score a hat-trick in the National League, but three players managed it on Saturday. So Shaki Ford for York City. Uh, he's now got four goals uh, in his in his first two games for York, so he's one to keep an eye on. Um, and Mike Fondop is a little bit more of a known quantity, a bit of a wanderer, um, but he can score prolifically, and he did so for Oldham, who really uh, romped to a five-one win um, uh, against Dorking Wanderers. And I want to ask you, I mean, it's it's a great performance from Oldham that, and a real morale-boosting win for them, which pulls them out of the bottom four. Um, They've they've still got work to do, clearly, haven't they? But uh, for Dorking, do you know what them them coming up to this level, Aaron? It's been a breath of fresh air. We've talked week in week out about that, and and they're still the fourth or fifth highest scorers in the national league. But there's a problem, isn't there? There's a very big problem at the other end of the pitch, which Mark White highlighted in his post match yesterday in about seven seconds. Uh, he said, "Oldham beat us five one because we're just shit. Def- we're, just, we're just shit defending." I think it was something like that. And you got to love Mark White for his pure and utter honesty. But it reminds me a little bit of when Blackpool went up to the Premier League. Do you remember that they were scoring goals for yeah. fun, but in the end they were just conceding too many. 
Yeah, and listen, unfortunately, once you step up a level, you can't concede that amount of goals and, and expect to, to get anything out of games. You know, last season in the, in the National League South, they could just blow teams away. The, the strikers weren't as, as prolific as they are at, at this level. And they'd win, you know, they'd go, if you score two, we'll score three. You know, and I've been in teams that play like that. You know, we played like that for, for large periods in my time at Peterborough, where we just fancied that we'd, we'd outscore you. We'd always concede, but we'd outscore you. Um, they're not being able to do that. Even though they're scoring a lot of goals, you know, they're scoring three and conceding four. You know, unfortunately, that's not going to, that's not going to um, be able to keep you in the division. But luckily for them, there's other teams that are conceding and, and not scoring at the ratio that they are. So mm. I think it's, yeah. it's gonna be, I think it's a learning curve. I think it's a mm. learning curve that eventually there has to be some give. You have to maybe sacrifice a little bit in, in attack to make sure that defensively you're, you're sound up because it, you get found out eventually. But at the moment, listen, they're the entertainers of the division most definitely. And, as long as they can continue to keep scoring, then they'll they'll probably stay in the division. Absolutely, and and a couple of touches of class from Dawkins and Mark White as well on Saturday. Uh, firstly, you know, put a little bit of money behind the bar for for the travelling Oldham supporters. You no know, train strikes. A lot of a lot of them making the effort to travel down, you know, by car and by by coach. Um, and also, just really for finishing off yesterday on their Twitter, um, showing. Um, Fair deal, Frank, as, as Mark White calls him, uh, the Oldham uh, uh, chairman, uh, just singing a song, really, in the Wanderers boardroom. And I think that's a reminder. And that's one thing you've always got to congratulate Mark White for. Win, lose or draw. He's always gracious in victory or defeat. So, yeah, well done to them. And if there was kind of one slight downside for those sides in the bottom four that won yesterday, it will have been when they walked into their dressing room, picked up their phones and saw the other results and... It was ridiculous. And the most ridiculous one of all was Scunthorpe United, who did their usual thing. They scored in the first 15 minutes, Caelan Lavery with the goal, and then you waited for the goals to go in the other end. But they never did, did they? Uh, Lavery went on to get a hat-trick to become the third player of the day to get one in the National League. Uh, And Scunthorpe hung on for all three points. Um, How does that leave things at the bottom? Well, Oldham have just popped out. Out of the bottom four now, and that leaves Gateshead, who drew with Barnet Torquay, who beat Halifax 1-0. Fantastic win for them, and unfortunately Joe Pope's not with us this week to talk about it. Um, Maidstone, the only losers in the bottom four at York, as we said, and then Scunthorpe with that 3-0 win. Unfortunately, don't really make much ground up with that, which is which is disappointing for them. Um, Aaron, quick word from you on the four sides going down. It's a huge trapdoor at the bottom. Um Aldershot looked like they've pulled clear, but they're slipping dangerously back towards it. Any thoughts from you on those four teams that might go down? Well, I think the two the two that you're looking at, um, I think, are, are pretty much bankers of Scunthorpe and, and Maidstone. You know, I think Maidstone are, are really, really struggling. You know, six defeats now in a row. Um, and I just, watching them, I can't see where they where they get enough points to, to be able to you know, overtake the, those teams above them. Um, Scunthorpe, you know, I think Scunthorpe have got four points in the last 10 games. You know, that's definitely not going to keep you in the division. And yes, they had a, a, a great win. And for them, I hope that they can use that as, as a platform to, to kick on. But 
I don't feel like, you know, I think that might be just a, a freak result and I don't think they're going to be able to pick up enough points. You know, the other two places are up for grabs. You know, everyone seems to be trying to find form at, at different times. Oldham have, have all of a sudden started piecing a, a few a few results together, draw against Notts County and then, and then went on and, and won. So, you know, I think it's, it's going to be whichever team falls out of form at the wrong time. But I think it's going to go, I think those two two places will go right to, to the end of the season. As you may or may not have realised, we've been joined by Scotty Davies, player manager of Slough Town. Uh, words I didn't know I'd ever say, but Scotty, great to have you back on the podcast uh, and, and congratulations on the new role. Yeah, no, thank you very much. Obviously, good to see you guys um, having listened to the last bit as well, but... Yeah, like you said there, I don't think I would have been saying that uh, anytime soon. My my sort of plan was to get into management in maybe three or four years' time, probably two or, league, two or three leagues lower than what I am at the moment. Um, but yeah, the opportunity arose and I spoke to some of my old managers and just said, what do you think I should do? And they just said to me, go for it, just take it. Um, yeah, I didn't ask, but I got offered it and yeah, here I am, I guess. Yeah, it reminds me of uh, your old mate Bully, actually, Nicky Bull. Um, I don't think he was ever expecting to go into it, wasn't he? And he, and, and he still had a lot of playing left in him. And, um, you know, he, he he was thrust into it earlier than he thought, too. Yeah, I think for me, the hardest part is on a Saturday, I, I get there about an hour before anyone gets there anyway, when I was captain and playing. Uh, but now I have to get there an hour extra on top of that. So I get there about half 11 on a Saturday. And that's the hardest part. And you see managers before the games where they're, standing in the middle of the pitch talking to each other um, in the sort of like hallway, wherever it might be, near the dressing rooms. I don't have time to do it. Um, honestly, I'm rushing around and I'm thinking, right, what have I got to do next? And it's like I say, I've never had any experience of it. Um, I've not got anyone that's sort of mentoring me on a Saturday. I'm not learning off anyone. So, yeah, listen, it's, it's been tough. It's been really, really tough, but I've been loving every moment um, of mm. what it's brought so far. Highs and lows, adrenaline rush. Um, and like you say, it's an opportunity that... I didn't think I would get. Um, I know a lot of people that have been managing for years and years and they've never managed at step two. And they've had some some great seasons where they've won promotions, maybe at step, I don't know, four and done really well at step three. And I've been given an opportunity that's, yeah, it's definitely one that I've appreciated so far. Yeah, and an opportunity, I guess, um, to take the best bits of all the managers you've played for previously, throw out some of the bits that really annoyed you um, and crack on. Just take us back. I know you you, you 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 couldn't join us at the time, but um, that first game in management, um, you had a little bit of an eye-opener, didn't you, in the first half? Oh, did I? Yeah. So I played myself middle of a back three because I thought I could be the eyes and ears of the other nine that were in front of me and the, the lad that was behind me. But yeah, it was a baptism of fire, I'll be honest with you. And I'd like to say that I'm quite grounded and realistic and, and whatnot. 25 minutes in, uh, we were 3-0 down and I just thought all eyes were on me. There was probably, I don't know, 600 people there. And I felt as though everyone was just looking at me thinking, what's he going to do? What's he going to do to fix it? And I thought the best thing that I can do is remove myself from the pitch, um, which I did. Then I think we ended up losing the game 5-1. Um, and I learned a hell of a lot in 25 minutes, 45 minutes in the first half, especially probably more so than what I've done in, in 15, 16 years of being involved in a game. Um and then I thought, you know, what, I'll take a backward step and I'll learn to manage. But Brian McDermott, one of my old managers who I speak to weekly, um, said something to me that stuck with me. And it's been really, really difficult to forget. He said, if you improve the team, you play. If you don't improve the team, you don't play. So 
I'm not that I'm arrogant or overconfident. I speak to the management team. We've got two assistants. And I said, what do you think I should do this week? And they said, you've got to play. So it's been really, really difficult to sort of step back and actually just enjoy the management part. Um, I'm trying to manage from the pitch. I'm doing substitutions from the middle of the pitch. And the hardest part is shouting past one of the lads that's going to come off. I'm shouting past to the dugout, right? He's coming off and he's coming on. And the lads are turning around looking at me and I'm thinking, don't look at me like that because it's awkward. Of course it is. Um, yeah. But listen, it's, yeah, we're, we're getting to grips with it. Um, and we've made some really good substitutions in the last couple of weeks, coming back from 2-0 down and then 3-0 down. It's not ideal to be behind in a game, but um, yeah, the subs have come on, they've scored goals and they've got us back in. So yeah, listen, it's like you say, the hardest part is transitioning from a player um, to someone's manager overnight. But the lads have been brilliant. I always said that it'll only be as good as the lads allow it to be. Um, and they've, bought, they've all bought into it um, and been brilliant, to be fair to them. Fantastic. Well, look, Scotty, you know, you said, didn't you, that uh, you took a step back when you were 3-0 down, you bought yourself off. And you have learned because yesterday, Bud, you were 3-0 down at half-time and you pulled it round, didn't you? You got yourself a point. Tell us about yesterday. Uh, yeah, it should have been 2-0 up in five minutes, which was the heartbreaking thing. And then all of a sudden, bang, 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 3-0 down. And I was thinking, how Angels, this happened? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was thinking, how has this happened? And I was walking in at half-time um, with the management team. We were having a little chat in the middle of the pitch because I said, right, we need to be organised in terms of what we're doing, what we're going to say when we go in. So the plan in my head was to take off a left wing back and bring on another striker. And at the time, it sounded like a little bit crazy because uh, um, you almost want to go damage limitation and, and not go four, five, six. But I believe in the group that we've got. We've got a lot of um, firepower. Um, so we put the Elliot Benyon on up top, who's an experienced, experienced ex-pro. Um, he done brilliantly, to be fair, in the second half. And we've gone bang, bang, bang and got three goals back. So, um, yeah, it's going to say it was the right move at the time. It didn't feel like it at half time, but I'm not one of those people that wants to sort of go damage limitations. I'd rather give it a go for 45 minutes and regret it when I get home if it doesn't happen uh, or work out the right <laughs> way. And like you say, yesterday, it happened to be the right thing. Um, so, yeah, I was going to say, there's no, I don't want to call it a tactical genius or anything like that. We shouldn't, <laughs> have been three nil, we, we shouldn't, we shouldn't have been 3-0 down in the first place, but everyone's sort of like giving you compliments and things. It's, it's a real bit of sweet one um, because... It's like you say, you feel like you've won the game, but 3-0 down at half-time, I was probably everyone's worst enemy at the time, do you know what I mean? Where they're probably thinking he hasn't got a clue what he's doing. Um, but yeah, the lads are the ones that, that got us the result ultimately, not me. Um, so yeah, I'm just glad that they're buying into what we're trying to do. Um, and they're certainly not down tools coming back twice in the last two weeks. It shows real promise. Yeah, so Matt Lynch, John Goddard, a familiar name, who's obviously played at a higher level. And Franny Amati on his debut got the vital equalising goal. Um, how did Freddie do? Sorry, I haven't looked. Did he start or come off the bench yesterday? No, he's a starter, mate. I was going to say, he's just someone that's just exciting. I've tried... What I looked at in the team is we were lacking real power and pace. I always think, what do I not like playing against? Power and pace um, and people that can run. I think you can have the most ability in the world, but if that player doesn't want to run, you often more often than not, you can kind of counteract that. Um, so we've gone big, strong, quick. Um, we've brought in Ogo Obi uh, from Hemel Hempstead. We've brought in Francis Amati, a lad called Louis Walsh from Barnet. Um, and we've just got a, a load of young, hungry players that want to go and do well in their careers. They've got reason to be playing football um, to progress. And Francis, yeah, he scored, a, he scored a, a solo effort, turned in the middle of the pitch, went past two or three and smashed it in the bottom corner. And I think that's what you pay your money for. Um, he's definitely someone that I've been after for a while, but... I had to sort of speak to Terry Brown at Aldershot and say, please, can I have him? Um, begged and pleaded. And yeah, in the end, Francis decided to come to us. 
other ahead of a host of other clubs. Yeah, there's a lot of frustration at Aldershot that he hasn't perhaps been given the chance. But but all I can say really, you know, I'm probably aware of a little bit more. But all I can say really is that that, that, that supporters can see the obvious talent that he's got, but obviously he's adapting from. Um, the level that he was playing at to full-time football. And it's not always a transition that people make easily, Scotty, is it? No, no, of course not. It's, going into professional football, all of a sudden, it, it's your life. Do you know what I mean? It's your livelihood. It means a lot more than someone that's playing semi-pro. I love playing semi-pro. I've, I've enjoyed it um, probably more so than anybody because, as I said, it's a little bit less pressure. Um, I've got, obviously, my Monday to Friday job. But for someone transitioning the other way, um, I think Aaron, you did it, didn't you, that way? If I'm if I'm right, um, it's difficult to adapt to at first, and a lot of players do either sink or swim. Um, and listen, I think that he can definitely swim. Um, I think he's got a hell of a lot of ability. He's quite an unassuming, quite reserved, quite quiet lad, which a lot of people would say um, he doesn't interact, he doesn't mix in. It's it's not true. He just keeps himself to himself. He's very focused. Um, he's very driven. I know that he works hard outside of outside of football um, to maintain his his fitness and things like that. And listen, I've always liked Franny. Um, just because someone's maybe not loud, um, doesn't interact as much as other people, to me, doesn't make him a bad person. Um, but it's like you say, he does his talking on the pitch, and yeah, I'm more than more than happy to have him at our football club. That's for sure. Good stuff. Um, we should take a little review before you. You've got to. I know you've got to get away. You're a, you're at a um, a family birthday party and managed to sneak off for a few minutes. Thank you very much for that. Let's have a quick look at the the state of play in the National League South. Um, th- that was a decent point for you yesterday, particularly coming back from three nil down. Um, you're, you're a couple of places, a couple of points uh, above the danger zone. So I guess evident really what your task is for the remainder of this season, just to make sure you're nice and safe and secure in that division. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say that was the um, sort of remit when I sort of took the job is we just need to try and survive. The objective was was that um, and it will never change. I think people say, well, you need to get a good run of results to get away from the drop zone. And you look at it, there's probably 10 teams down there that um, are fighting to stay up. Um, I think it's going to take a while for those teams to sort of get away from the drop, uh, drop zone because in this league, I think similar to like the championship, I, I consider it in terms of results, anyone can beat anyone on their day. Um, and that's what makes it exciting. And for me, it's like you say, you need to go on those unbeaten runs, pick up a point here and there and three points where you can. But we didn't win for, I think it was 14 games and we've still managed to stay out of the relegation zone. So that shows how well we were doing at the beginning before that bad run coming. And you almost hope that someone else in the league is going to have their run at some time. Um, and I, I listen, it's hard to to wish a bad run upon anyone because I, I don't want to be um, I don't want to be a pessimist towards other clubs and whatnot but yeah I was going to say we've been through a bad time of it and I'm hoping now that we've come out the other side but you know football's got that way of biting you in the arse um, just when things are starting <laughs> to get, it's just when things are starting to get good but fingers crossed we've got Farnborough Tuesday night if we can go there and pick up another point I'll be delighted yeah they're in pretty decent form they had a really good win on uh, Saturday Farnborough they won 4-1 at uh, Dulwich Hamlet, uh, Mason Bloomfield with a couple of goals there. Just focusing on the top end of the table, all the, the, the top three all won on Saturday. Um, Dartford continue to be really impressive against a much improved Chesson. Uh, three one winners there. Haven't and Waterlooville beat Braintree three one. Um, and uh, I perhaps, I guess the key result amongst those three was Ebbsfleet bouncing back. They've had a difficult 
few weeks, haven't they? But they beat much improved Weymouth um, by four goals to one. And another hat-trick, Dominic Polian. He's a, he's a real nuisance, isn't he, Scotty? Honestly, we played Ebb Street the other week and I went home and I thought I was going to sleep for about four days. It was like playing against Barcelona. Um, they, were, they, they were honestly that good. The way they moved the ball, they just completely dominated us for 90 minutes. And our keeper had an absolute worldie. They hit the bar, the post. We had shots cleared off the line. It could have been eight or nine. I thought they were exceptional. Um, then I saw they lost four games in a row after they played us. And I couldn't believe it. Um, really, really surprised. I think that that, yet again, is going to go down to the wire. I know Dartford are up there. They haven't bobbing along nicely. You've got Chelsea just behind Ebbsfleet, I think it is. But for me, Ebbsfleet are by far and away the best team in that league. Um, I know they're obviously spending a couple of pounds to get top players in, like Dominic Polion, who probably should be playing in the Football League still, um, along with a host of others. But yeah, we can't compete with them. When we go to places like that, it is a free hit. Um, everyone expects nothing from us. Um, we tried to go there and shut up shop, but I realise now that it's only a matter of time before you're going to concede a goal when you play teams like that. They're that good that they're going to punish you at some point throughout the 90 minutes. So you might as well go and put the cat amongst, uh, cat amongst the pigeons and get after them and try and cause an upset by doing it that way, I believe. Yeah, so the uh, the top three all winning comfortably, scoring a few goals. Now, Chelmsford, who sit fourth, they've tended to do it with a lot of clean sheets and just maybe nicking the odd game 1-0. Well, they were on the other end of that yesterday, uh, a result that probably would have frustrated you, Scotty. You'd have said a banker probably this season, wouldn't you? Chelmsford at home to Chippenham, but Chippenham won it 1-0. Joe Hanks with the goal and, and that was a massive uh, three points for the Chippers that pulled them out of the bottom four. Yeah, you know what it is at Chelmsford? I think they can delay the game when they go 1-0 ahead, but Dave Winfield booted the ball out of the ground everywhere, so that's what it is. Your old mate, Dave, your old mate, Dave <laughs> yeah. Winfield. That's what it is, but no, it's a really tough place to go, Chelmsford, with the running track. I played there for a year and I loved the club, but I hated playing on the pitch. You can never see how big or wide or how long the pitch is because the running track makes it feel so much bigger. So my big diagonal passes, if you've seen, they're going out of play all the time. But um, yeah, Chelmsford have, have done really, really well. I spoke to the manager briefly this morning um, because I've realised now that's what managers do. They all speak to each other and have a debrief on a Sunday. So I'm trying to get to grips with it. Um, but yeah, they're doing a great job, him and Mickey Spillane. Um, we've got them in a couple of weeks on a Monday. So we know it's going to be tough, but Chippenham, the goal that was scored, I saw Joe Hanks' goal this morning, absolute screamer. Um, but yeah, that just shows what the league's like. You, you get in on the change room after the game on a Saturday, you look at the results and there's always two or three surprise results. And sometimes you're on the, the good end of it, sometimes you're on the bad end of it. And yesterday wasn't too bad. We picked up a point on a couple of other teams, but it just condenses it from the bottom probably to the four or five above them. Quick look at the other results in the National League South. Worthing beat Welling 3-2. Oxford City 2, St Albans 1. Hemel 2, Hampton and Richmond 0. And Hungerford, a good win for them against Dover Athletic, who uh, had some important news in the last couple of days as well. Um, I have to say, fair play to this man for sticking at it at Dover for so long and sticking 28 points on the board this season. Hessenthaler finally leaves Dover to join the uh, the sort of backroom team uh, director of football type role, isn't it, at uh, at Gillingham? Yeah, I saw that he's joined with Kenny Jackett. I think it was like some sort of recruitment director of football role. Um, yeah, two good guys in football. I've not really come across Hessenthaler so much, but I've spoken to Kenny Jackett over the years. Um, when I was going to go on loan I haven't got a clue what club it was but they're just good people I think the experience that they can obviously bring to a club like Gillingham is, Gillingham is massive um, they've got the new owners haven't they so but in terms of what he's done at Dover 
Um, just a proper football man. And I don't think there's enough of them that are still around. Um, I consider him to be someone like Gary Waddock. Um, just good people that you need in the game. Uh, it's getting a lot younger now, but it's good to see people like that that are still, still do, playing their part. And Aaron, just a quick word from you on Hess, because, uh, you know, last season he kept that team so competitive, even though they had a hopeless cause. Yeah, I think Scotty's hitting that on the head. He's, you know, those footballing people, you know, who just love the game. You know, it's it, last season was, they could have easily just down tools and, and just gave up, you know, because they were on a hiding to nothing. But, you know, he kept them competitive. You know, you, you think back to the game where they went to Wrexham, you know, and, and was it, I think, 6-5 they, they ended up losing. You know, amazing, amazing the, the way he kept that team going. And and I think that Gillingham, it's a masterstroke from bringing, bringing them back to Gillingham because they're a club that are desperately in need of, of some help and guidance. And, you know, him along with Kenny Jacket will definitely be able to, to bring that. Yeah, and I guess Gillingham right now are focusing on the fact that by far, the easiest way to be in the AFL in one, two or three or four years' time is to stay there this year because it's such a long way back to two or three promotion places. Um, Scotty, you've been really generous with your time. Thank you um, for finding 20 minutes for us. Um, best of luck in the role. Um, have a good one at Farnborough Tuesday and we'll catch up soon. You know, thanks for having me on, guys. Good to see you all. All right, I'll see you soon. Best of luck, Scotty. Cheers. Cheers, Scotty. Right, finally, last but not least, we're going to take a look at the National League North. Dickie, you're our man in the North. Well, you're almost in the North. Where do you think, <laughs> where where would you put yourself? Um, I don't know. We're right on the cusp of it, unfortunately. So it, it's, we're one of these, we can go either way. Um, you're um, on the cusp of the Midlands, the cusp of the North and the cusp of Wales as well, aren't you? At yeah, we're, we're pretty much in no man's land, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is somewhat appropriate given where Telford are at the moment. That's right. I guess we you look forward to the day that we start with Telford, don't you? But we, we're not going to start with Telford, I'm sure. Um, it's really tight at the top of the National League North. And I mean, in terms of the title race, Dickie, where six teams can realistically say they're in that title race. Yeah, they can. It's getting closer up there. And there was only one team um, actually in the playoff position, or actually one team going into the day's fixes in the playoff position to actually won yesterday, which was AFC Fylde. Um They had a thumping 5-0 win over Banbury. I think there were two goals in that game for Mo Fall, a player who's been on loan at Telford earlier this season. Connor Barrett was on target. The um, goal from the ubiquitous Nick Horton, it wouldn't be a foul performance without him. Um and Amika Roby, the defender, uh, he got on the score sheet as well. So, yeah, really, really uh, convincing victory for them. Banbury drop out of the playoff positions on the basis of that one. Um, but it's Darlington who stay at the top. Darlington um, had a, a very surprising 3-0 home defeat by Chorley yesterday. I mean, Darlington, that thumping win in the new year, that 5-2 win at Scarborough, where they were actually 5-0 up at one point. And going into that game yesterday at home to Chorley, um, they must have been feeling eminently confident. But yeah, two goals from Connor Hall uh, and Jack Sampson, all of them in the second half, took that one away from Chorley, uh, took that away one away from Darlington, sorry. Chorley, even without their captain, Scott Leather, he became a father on the day as well. So he had a terrific day watching his teammates win 3-0 and um, add, adding to his family. So, yeah. Uh, Brackley Town, they would have hoped to take advantage of Darlington's slip, but they weren't able to do that. They drew 1-1 at home with Chester. Callum Stead 
got them on the score sheet uh, early in the second half after Kurt Willoughby's early goal had given Chester the advantage. Uh, Chester did have Declan Week sent off deep into injury time in that one, so he's going to have to serve a suspension, which will be a bit of a blow for them. But Chester, they're going along nicely in fourth place. It's a, a, a fine result for them. Scarborough, they're one of the other teams um, up towards the top as well. A surprising defeat away at Hereford. Um, obviously, they had that 5-2. They were on the wrong end of that result I just mentioned there. And it is a long old haul down to Herefordshire this, for this one. Um, they lost out to goals from Orin Pendley in the first half and then Miles Storey adding a second. But, um, you know, it's a little bit of a blip for Scarborough at the moment. But, you know, we, I think in the, maybe two podcasts ago, I was asked where Scarborough genuine promotion contenders and I said well they had to be regarded as that and I don't think the results they've had in the last two games changed that to be perfectly honest um, Kings Lynn they had oh, go on. no no I was just going to say just Kings Lynn yeah 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 Kings Lynn um, a rather surprising draw for them they were held away at Bly Spartans it's another really long haul there all the way round from the wash all the way up the A1 uh, to Northumberland uh, and Blythe that's a very creditable point for them although they do stay in 23rd position um, and yeah that's pretty much rounds out the, the top six or seven I say Southport they lost 2-1 at Peterborough Sports so they dropped out uh, Banbury we know about their defeat um, I think there was a two-all draw for Gloucester and Boston United Alfreton beat Farsley Celtic 1-0 um, just having a quick look at the others. I can talk about Telford's result, of course. I know that one. We'll come back to that. Yeah, we'll come back to that in just a minute. I had a, a question for you and also one for, for, for Aaron as well. He's very kindly stayed with us um, because, as you say, BT are, are going to cover a little bit more of the National League North and South, aren't they, Aaron? And um, just tell us tell us uh, what, what the thinking is there. Well, you know, we at BT, I think they've, they've looked and seen what a, a huge success covering the National League has been, you know, and, and, and the real quality that, that has been shown, showcased to everyone, you know, in, in those games. And I think they'd, they'd like to they'd like to expand that because you look at the National League North and you look at the National League South and, again, very, very competitive levels with, with very good players, very good clubs. And I think that they want to be able to kind of showcase more of that as, lo- uh, as well as, you know their their relationship with the national league you know north south and and the national league proper has, has always been strong so you know i think that's that's the the thinking behind it whether or not uh gaps allow because you know they cover obviously all the european games so champions league um europa league europa conference league as well as well as as well as foreign football so it's it's i'm sure making sure that there's gaps, making sure that there's an appetite for it. But, you know, I think in the the games that they have shown so far, there's there's clearly been an appetite for it. And I think it's something that they're they're keen to to do more of. Yeah, sounds good. One of the teams Dickie just touched on them there, Peterborough Sports, who had a blistering start, faded away a little bit, but they just kind of hung around outside those playoff places and uh, they're just a point outside. Really good win uh for them on on Saturday. I'm just trying to think back in the day when you were at Peterborough. I don't think they were even around. I think they may were they were around as brotherhood back in the day. But um, it's inc- it's great to see another side coming through from Peterborough, isn't it, Aaron? Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, a, a lot of the Peterborough fans um, always speak about Peterborough sports. 
you know, and 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 say what a what a great job they're doing down there. I think they've maybe just opened up a new new clubhouse down there as well a, a few weeks ago. So, you know, I think that they're they're a club that are, they're trying to now build up and and try and listen eventually maybe do what AFC Wimbledon and MK Dons do and, and have that rivalry in, in the same division. You know, what a what a spectacle that would be. You know, it's it's brilliant for Peterborough. Obviously I've I've always had a, a great affiliation with with Peterborough as a as a town. Um and yeah, I'd love to see see Peterborough Sports move up the divisions eventually and I'd love to see them both in the same division, that's for sure. Yeah, and Dickie, I think you uh, you had a bit of news on Peter Sports as well. Yeah, I did. I mean, we've had uh, their chairman, Grant Biddle, on the podcast, I think, in pre-season, actually, just talking about how they were preparing for their first season at this level. Um, he's said this week that uh, he's open to new investment coming in. It's it's been It's taken, you know, a fair chunk of his own money to get them where they are. Um, and I th- he feels they've hit a bit of a ceiling, really, so that if they are going to push on, they're going to need a bit more help from elsewhere. They didn't need that help yesterday. Two goals from Dion Sembi-Ferris um, got them a 2-1 win against Southport. Charlie Doyle did get a goal back late on, but Southport had already had Keenan Quanser sent off by that point. So um, it sounds like it was a fairly routine victory for sports, that one yesterday. Yeah, um, and, and it's quite a condensed pack, isn't it? Just... Uh, below those playoffs, so Banbury, Southport, Peterborough Sports and Gloucester, just one point between the four of them. Um, and then a couple of other teams I don't think we've touched on yet, Alfreton and Kidderminster. How did they do on Saturday? Uh, Kidderminster had a, a goalless draw away at Leamington. It didn't sound like the most uh, exciting of, of fixtures in the National League North yesterday. I think the one that caught my eye was the game between Bradford Park Avenue and Kettering. Um, Bradford just above the relegation places, as are Kettering. Um, and uh, this game was notable for the contribution from George Forsyth uh, of Kettering. Uh, George Cooper had put Kettering into 1-0 lead, but then there was uh, an incident in the penalty area, which uh, Cameron Gregory, the uh, Kettering goalkeeper, got involved in. Uh, he got dismissed uh, for a second yellow card, um, and Kettering had no goalkeeper on the bench. So for Scythe, um, it's actually, they've given the goal to Coop here, and I'm told it was Forsyth's goal, according to the non-league paper. Forsyth, having scored, then had to go in goal, kept a clean sheet all the way through to the fifth minute of injury time when Jordan Preston of Bradford Park Avenue broke their hearts with an equaliser. So, yeah, um, he was notable for getting into the non-league papers team of the day as a goalkeeper today, even though he's an outfield player. <laughs> Fair play. That's it. They'll never name another goalkeeper on the bench when he's in the team now. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's done a good enough job, you know, they've got him to fall back on, haven't they? Yeah, absolutely. Come on then, Dickie. Sorry to put you through it again. There's another point for Telford. That's that four points in six games. And my goodness, they're going to need a few more returns like that if they're going to pull this one round. They are, yeah. I mean, they. I, I think I started my piece for the newspaper saying, you know, Telford have collected you know, a valuable three points, but it's taken them three games to do it. They're, they're unbeaten oh, three in points. three, but they're all draws. It was another draw against Spennymoor Town yesterday. Harry Flowers, he's enjoying a, a, a terrific resurgence in form. He's kind of looking like the figure that I think Telford hoped he would be when they signed him. He put them ahead in the 47th minute. But Glenn Taylor, um, I wax lyrical about Glenn Taylor, and I've got cause to be I'm spitting feathers about him yesterday because he thumped a tremendous free kick through the defensive wall, through Telford's debutant goalkeeper, Joe Young, and into the net. And uh, yeah, it secured 
the point for Spennymore. And Telford were not hanging on at the end, but they didn't really look like winning it from that point. And given their situation that they're in, it, it, it's I'm not, we're almost at three points or bust territory. So, yeah, it, it was very disappointing yesterday not to get more from that game. Yeah, really, really tough. Uh, tough job for the Telford manager from here on in. Just looking at the table. I'm sure you do it all the time. 12 points off safety at the minute. Um, not really got games in hand on anybody other than uh, Boston. I see Boston, uh, what are they, just level on points really, only outside the bottom four on goal difference and they could only they could only draw with Gloucester on Saturday. Yeah, they could have. Boston actually dropped into the bottom four at one point during proceedings. But uh, yeah, it was a, a Scott Pollock penalty in the third minute of injury time that got them a draw and actually moved them back out of that position. They had a goal on debut from Billy Chadwick. They've taken him on loan this week. But Gloucester um, struck back with two goals, one of them from Don McHale, a, a player I know well from his time at Telford. And it looked as if uh, it was going to be another home defeat for Boston, something that's been their real Achilles heel this season. Um, but Pollock, he's been a standout for them and yeah he rescued a point and kept them out of the bottom four yeah Leamington and uh, Kidderminster mid-table they they were a nil-nil just the one other game to mention uh, another battle just outside the bottom four really wasn't it Curzon Ashton against Buxton how did that one go Dickie yeah, and, and again, at this point, I mentioned about Boston dropping into the bottom four during the afternoon. At one point, Curzon Ashton had done so as well. Scott Bowden, he put Buxton ahead in the 19th minute of that game. And, and at that point, Curzon, who are on a, a, a really poor run of form at the moment, were dropping into the relegation places. But two goals from Josh Hancock, he's um, somebody that you'll know from his time at Altrincham over the last few seasons. He got goals in the 53rd and 55th minutes to get a quick turnaround of that scoreline. And hold held on for the win. Finally, uh, Aaron, you know, Dickie gets to watch National League North football every week with, with Telford. One of the things I picked up from that little update, which always continues to amaze me, is just how many good players there are playing at that level, just one level down. Players who have not just played in the National League, but have really impressed at that level, you know, uh, finding new clubs in, in one league below. Yeah, definitely. You know, I think it's been that way for, for years. You know, my when I first dropped into into the National League with, with Aldershot, you know, Aldershot had only just been promoted from, I think it was the Roman Premier then, you know, they, and some excellent players, you know, similar when I when I went to Grays, you know, again, they'd just been promoted from, from the division below and I struggled to get into the team, you know, let alone, let alone make my mark there. You know, it was... I was surprised at, at the quality of, of young players that, that were at that level. And it was it's just a case of them being able to be showcased, you know, people actually being able to see them. And I think that's the huge thing that, about BT Sports showing, you know, the National League and, and hopefully the, the South and the North as well, because there's a lot of young players that just need to be shown and been given the platform to be able to express themselves. And if they are, they can go on and, and have fabulous league careers like we've seen so many, so many players. And, you know, I'm, I'm living proof of that. Fantastic stuff, Aaron. We were just about to wrap up, but and this wasn't planned at all. But just as we finish our recording, the FA Cup draw has been done. Dickie, um, who have our National League boys got if they do progress or who have Wrexham got who have progressed? 
Wrexham have got the only clear-cut tie out of them. Uh, Wrexham will be at home to Sheffield United in the next round. So um, uh, another championship team. And given that they won away at one, they should be feeling quite good about that one. I think, you know, the race course is packed out every game at the moment. So that's not going to be any different. Um, There's, uh, yeah, other things needed to be decided before the other two find out who they've got to play. Um, Bristol City or Swansea away is the uh, carrot there for Chesterfield when they play their replay against West Bromwich Albion. Um, and then looking at the other one, just scrolling through my list here, Boreham Wood would have a home tie if they can overcome Accrington Stanley. They'd face Cardiff City or Leeds. Wow. Any thoughts on those uh, those draws, Aaron? Well, they're all, they're all difficult games. <laughs> I, I think every game would, would be a difficult game at, at this stage. You know, you're going to be playing against top, top quality um, league teams. So for, for Chesterfield and for Bournemouth, it's just take care of the job in hand, first of all. Make sure you get through and then and then play against, you know, whoever whoever you have to. I think Leeds is the standout one, you know, to to have Leeds come down. Leeds travel fabulously. You know, they, they always sell out their allocation wherever they go. So if you could get Leeds to, to come down to, to Bournemouth, that would be something. Well, it's fantastic. Lovely end to the podcast. Uh, good luck uh, to Wrexham, the Dragons against the Blades, and good luck to uh, Borenwood and Chesterfield in their replays. Aaron, brilliant to have you on, and thanks for staying all the way through too. No problem. Thanks for having me. That's it for this week's podcast. Thank you very much indeed, Dickie, particularly uh, getting that late news into the FA Cup draw. We'll be back again next week. Luke will be hosting, because I'm off on me, Holly Bobs. All the best, everyone. Play the theme tune, Luke. <laughs>